Hello and welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. Our messages are designed to help teach and equip you on your journey to lead people to follow Christ. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage you no matter where you are in your journey towards Jesus. If you have questions, want to talk, or want to learn more about Summit, visit us at summitniles.com. Let me turn our attention to the Word. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13. He simply looked at his disciples and he said to them, You are the salt of the earth. You're the salt of the earth. Now, the context of that is the, he'd just gotten done with the Beatitudes. It was that Sermon on the Mount. We've referenced that passage of scripture, Jesus, greatest preacher ever, preaching the greatest message ever, and he, he looks at them, he gathers them around, he's just talked about the things that, you know, you're, here's blessedness, all these things, um, blessed if this, blessed if that, but then notice what he says, verse 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out, trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. Glorify your Father in heaven. One sentence that I want you to focus your attention on this morning. You are the salt of the earth. You're the salt of the earth. You see what he says to them? He tells his disciples they're the salt of the earth. Now, actually, that's a compliment. He's talking to them, and he said, look, he's he's gathered his friends around, and he said, listen, you're you're the salt of the earth. You're the salt of the earth. It's a compliment. You know how sometimes when somebody compliments you, um, it, it, you appreciate it. I mean, we all like to be appreciated and affirmed. But when you think about this compliment, it was a description that he assigned to them. And by the way, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it's a description he's also assigned to you, that you are the salt of the earth. And yet, in some ways, when you think about that, it makes us a little uneasy. Wait a minute. What do you mean by that? What is the salt of the earth? We begin to think about what he meant by that, and that's part of what we, we need to understand this morning. We, we want to sometimes get out from underneath some of those accomplishments as soon as we can. Say, listen, oh, not me. I mean, someone else is salt. I mean, okay, when I begin to think about salt, um, you know, whew, that's the effect that salt has on something. Um, is that really me? We need to understand how valuable salt was in the days of Jesus. So what we often take for granted was like gold to them. Salt and light were two of the most important necessities of life. Salt kept food from from spoiling, from rotting, and light removed darkness. So we know that salt is a preservative. Salt was used to preserve meat. Modern refrigeration was not a reality in Jesus' day. So when they're thinking about salt, they're thinking 
Boy, that's a preservative. You're the salt of the earth. I'm a preservative of the world. What does he mean by that? What does it mean that, that Jesus would assign to me the fact that the condition of this world that, that needs preserving, salt preserved meat. So um, if before you know, modern refrigeration, the way to preserve meat, and some people still do, is they pack meat in salt to preserve it. What does that mean? And so the disciples begin to think, something about my life, Jesus thinks that there's something about my life that is going to preserve this world. Notice that salt is also a purifier. Salt is used to purify things, used to sanitize or prevent further infection, a disinfectant of sorts. So wait a minute, there's something that Jesus is saying to me about not just being a, 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 a preserver, but something that will purify. There's, there's this element that because of my life in this world, my, the impact of my life on this world, that the world ought to be a little bit more pure. Of course, salt is seasoning. Stuff just tastes better with salt. Do I have to explain that to anybody? So, something about your life affects the world around you in a way that it becomes more palatable. Salt also was a commodity. Salt was so valuable in Bible days that it was often traded ounce for ounce with gold. Salt. It was something that um, the world needed, but it was valuable. Salt was not just a commodity. Salt was a currency. Salt was used as currency. Roman soldiers were paid in salt. In fact, the word salary is a word that is derived from the word salt. If, if a Roman soldier didn't do his job, he wouldn't get all of his salt. That's where we get the phrase, he's not worth his salt. You've heard that before? Oh, he's not worth his salt if someone does not do a good day's work. Salt is also a... So <clears throat> there's something so valuable about salt that it's like, you are the salt of the earth. You're the currency. You're, you're what, in, in, a, in a modern world, people see as valuable. Um, there's blessing in that. You, you are the salt of the, of the earth, Jesus said. Salt's a catalyst. It, for example, when making ice cream, putting salt on an ice, on ice to make it colder. How many of you have already made um, homemade ice cream this year? Well, a few of you. Some of you aren't worth your salt. <laughs> Someone told me after the service, um, actually, it was my mother-in-law. She said, I'll make homemade ice cream for tomorrow. I said, deal. So salt makes ice colder by lowering the temperature at which water freezes. Salt is also used to, to melt ice on winter roads. Remember that road salt and table salt aren't, aren't necessarily the same thing. Potassium chloride, magnesium chloride, calcium chloride, sodium Chloride, they're, they're all different compounds. But sodium chloride, NaCl, sodium chloride, you learned about this in school, is common table salt. salt. And Jesus told his disciples that they were that important 
You're the salt of the earth. All of those descriptions of what salt was and what, what the, the effect that it had on everything around, he said, that's how you are in the world. That's how your life is. Every Christian is given the same compliment by Jesus. Every disciple is salt of the earth. Every disciple is light of the world. Every Christian issues a denial to that at some point in their life. There's times we say, ah, don't want to be salt today. We say, how, how can I be that? Well, I'm just not that good. There's no way we can be that important. There's no way that, that because of my life, um, the rest of the world is going to be affected. We say that, but what did Jesus say? The truth of the matter is he said, you are the salt of the earth. Your life matters. Who you are and how you interact with the world, who you are in this world matters. Now, for context, those words about salt and light came right after the Beatitudes. And the disciples, you know, who would have been bold enough to say, Lord, we're with you. All those blessed things, that's us. You know, we're, here we are. Um, blessed, we're poor in spirit and, and we're meek and we're pure in heart. Are you kidding me? These people were were clamoring for attention. They were disciples trying to figure out, you know, Lord, remember us when you get to paradise. We, we want positions. And, I mean, Peter. Um, when I think of Peter, it's not normally... I love Peter, by the way. But I don't necessarily think about Peter being meek. You know, blessed are the meek. Um, Peter, full of mercy. Look, I love a good Peter. You have someone who's got his guts and, and got the, the drive to move, and you, know, you, you just want to get behind a guy like that, right? And at the same time, you love the Jameses and those. But So who among us would say that we fit this description? That Jesus said, he's complimenting you. He said, you're the, side of, you're, you're the salt of the earth. You're, you're the salt of the earth. You get it? I mean, you're the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. By the way, here's a Bible study method for you. So sometimes you say, what does this really mean? We, we practiced this a little bit. Remember in the handout we did earlier on, um, the walk it out guide? One of the things you do with scripture is you write it out and then you put emphasis on each word. You, 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 not somebody else. You are the salt of the earth. You are you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt. The salt. You are the salt. You are the salt of the world. Who? Of the world? Of the world. No, my life. No, the world. My family. No, the world. My community. No, the world. My sins. The world. You are the salt of the world. That's what Jesus thinks about you. He thinks that he, he saved you and he lives in you so that you can be the salt of the world. Look to somebody and say, you're the salt of the world. Tell somebody they're the salt of the world. All right, how about this? Can you say this? I'm the salt of the world. You are the salt of the world. Time and time again, and there's times that we fall short of his vision for our lives. Jesus said, it's true. He said it, so it's true. We're the salt of the earth. But sometimes, you know, we fall short as individuals. We also sometimes fall short as a church. Time and time again, the church 
has failed to step forward and be that salt and that light. In 1994, many of you were alive in 1994, not everybody here, but most of you were alive in 1994. You remember back uh, to what was happening in Rwanda? 850,000 people were slaughtered in a period of about three months. Many of us lived through that. What's interesting is 90% of the people there in Rwanda identified themselves as Christians. 65% were claiming to be Roman Catholic. Churches, seminaries, schools were abundant. And yet with all of that, it didn't prevent genocide. In fact, not only individuals, but churches did little to resist it. Some participated in it. And even after the history, so we all sat in history class, even after the history of the Holocaust in Europe, and even with the presence of churches in Africa, the genocide, 850,000 people in less than three months, where was the impact of the church? David Gushi, a Baptist um, Christian, a um, philosophy professor, he wrote a book describing the complicity of churches in the African, uh, in the, um, the genocide there in Rwanda. He said this, instead of being a light of the world, the churches are more like a candle flickering in a tornado. And yet Jesus said, you're the, li- you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. So we can look at our world today and we can see the decay of society. One of the things that happened in Rwanda and other places, people became accustomed to what was happening. It became normal and became accepted. It's what happened in the communities surrounding Auschwitz concentration camp in Europe. People became accustomed to that. That's what just happens. In our world today, many times we just become accustomed to what has happened. We, 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 see, the, we see the decay. We see what's happening. I don't need to highlight the problems. We know there's problems in our world today. Is there anyone here who doesn't know that there's problems in the world today? So we identify problems, but we've been called and complimented with being salt and light. And so we have to now figure out how to live up to our calling. How is it that we're the salt of of the earth? How are we the light of the world that so impacts uh, who we are and where we live that there's noticeable change. Dr. James Stewart was a great British preacher. He once said this. He said, the greatest threat to Christianity is not communism. You hear a lot of that. You know, the communism um, is uh, one of the things, that an agenda that there are people in segments of the world and segments of our society that are pushing The greatest threat to Christianity is not communism. It's not atheism. Atheism is uh, denying the fact that a God exists. Okay? It's not communism. It's not atheism. It's not materialism, just, you know, wanting things, the God of stuff, or even humanism. The greatest threat to Christianity is Christians trying to sneak into heaven incognito, without ever sharing their faith, without ever living out the Christian life, without ever becoming involved in the most significant work God is doing on planet Earth. You 
are the salt of the earth. And that's the problem that Jesus is trying to remedy with this sermon, and it's part of the encouragement that he wants to give to his disciples. You can do this. Think about the crowd that Jesus is preaching to. He wasn't preaching you know, to a, a, a gathering of the United Nations. He wasn't talking to the leaders. This wasn't Congress. This wasn't a parliament. He was talking to his followers. He's, you know, sometimes he said, well, listen, it's their job to run the country. Um, the, the effect of the country, let's blame somebody. You know, blame somebody in the schoolhouse or the courthouse or the White House or somewhere. Let's blame somebody else for how things are going. Jesus said, listen, I'm not talking to those people. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to my followers. You're the salt of the earth. How you go is how the world goes. I know that gets to be quite a bit. I remember years back as a kid, um, parent-teacher conferences. You always kind of wonder... You know, mom would be there quite a while. I had a twin sister. I figured it was her they were talking about. My mom would come home and she would would say things like this. The music teacher thinks you talk too much. (laughs) You're a bit of a distraction. Um, Or they would say things like... um, my mom's name was Murda. She would say, she goes, all these things, it would, whatever, whatever. But then at some point she would say, Murtis, here's the thing that I know. If I, can get, if I can get Dan headed down the right way with this class, um, if I can get him to go in the right direction, I can get the rest of the people to go in the right direction. And she'd come home and she'd say to me, that teacher is counting on you to, to make sure you don't get you know, so goes, in fact, she would say, so goes Dan, so goes that class. And for all of five seconds, you feel, hmm, as it ought to be. <laughs> and about sec- second, number s- second number six, that doesn't make sense. By the time I hit, the, you know, soon after that, <laughs> second after six, <laughs> edit, edit. Um, We're going to use the first service, aren't we? (laughs) We're going to use the first service. Soon after that, I'd go, oh, that's too much pressure. I'm just trying to be a kid in a class. And sometimes I think we feel that way, but God has given us a great opportunity to lead where we're planted. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Jesus insisted that his disciples are to keep society from rotting into decay. So what happens if we leave Sunday morning and all of a sudden, driving in, we thought we could blame the current administration and all the politicians and everything else for what's going wrong in our land. And on the way out, we go, oh, that's us. We're the salt of the earth. It's always easy to pass the buck on somebody else. See, those guys are supposed to be you know, who's, who's, who's tending the house? Now understand, Scripture also says in the Old Testament, when, well, one, for, for lack of vision, people perish. Two, when, when, when people are ruled by, by just kings, they rejoice. When they're ruled by evil kings, they groan. I get all that. 
But that doesn't make up for you and I are the light of the world. You and I are the salt of the earth. Be good for the world. In a world that's losing its way, Jesus wants his disciples to persevere and to preserve the culture. Now, I want you to turn over with me to Mark's Gospel, chapter 9, and look at verse 49. Here's what it says. And in this passage of Scripture, in these two verses, I'm looking for four things that will help us be salt in the world. Look at what he says. Mark 9, verse 49, everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves. Be at peace with each other. What can we learn from these two verses? It's interesting. There's a passage of Scripture, Mark 9, verses 49 and 50, that are described in, among biblical students as quasi-difficult to understand, to interpret. A seminary professor of mine Dr. Bauer was an expert in the Gospel of Mark. He, he taught an inductive Bible study where you, inductive and deductive reasoning, and you're looking at Bible study, and you're, you're, you, instead of trying to, um, you know, at first glance, see what Scripture, assuming you know what Scripture says, but to, to, to be able to parse it out and, and to understand it. This is a difficult part. In a message uh, I heard Alistair Begg preach um, this last week on this topic. At the end of his message, he made one sentence, one statement, one sentence. There were four things in there that I see um, that I want to highlight. He just mentioned it almost (laughs) almost in passing. But I want you to see these things... What can we learn from these two verses that will help us be salt in the world? If that's what God's called us to be, what is it that we need to know? First of all, he says in verse 49, you'll be salted with fire. What does that mean? To be refined continually. In order to be salt in the world, you and I are going to have to submit to a refining process. We're going to have to be refined continually. That was one of the points of being filled with God's Spirit, submitting to God's will in your life. You say, well, listen, you know, we we talked about being filled with the Spirit. If I'm going to be salt of the earth, that means I'm going to need the Spirit of God within me continue to refine me and refine me to be all that he wants me to be so that I can have the effect that he wants me to have in the world that I'm living in. You can't do that alone. You can't do that by yourself. You can't do that to yourself. You just can submit to what God is doing in your life. You have to be willing to be refined continually. So the Holy Spirit isn't just present in your life. He's present. You are yielded to him. How do you do that? One of the ways that you're refined continually is you're yielding your heart, your mind, your will, your plans, your purposes, everything to God's spirit. Another way is, as we've talked about earlier uh, in the year, you you and I need to be connected to God's word. What is God's primary way of speaking to us? If we're going to be salt in the earth, to the earth, We need to be connected with God's Word. Now, here's a study that was done in 2009. It studied the impact of reading the Bible. In fact, Dr. Arnold Cole had a doctorate in education, and Dr. Pamela uh, Claudel Jordan had a PhD, has a PhD in 
psychology. She also has a PhD in human services psychology. And what's interesting is they did a study of some 40,000 Christians. And in this study, they began to, to study out the impact that reading Scripture had on a person's life. What is interesting is they began to study there was no significant statistical difference between Christians who read their Bible two or three times a week compared to people who read one time a week or never read the Bible. So, they compared people, we don't read the Bible, or maybe once a day, compared to people who read it two or three times a day. Statistically, there was no difference. No significant difference. But watch this. We're talking about being refined continually. Since when did Jesus say, come follow me three days a week? Now watch this. When a person engaged in Scripture for four or more days a week, dramatic, drastic change was recognized. So Christians engaged in Scripture most days of the week, watch this, are lower, have lower odds of participating in these behaviors. If, if Christians engaged in Scripture four or more days a week have a 68% Less chance of having sex outside of marriage. They have a 61% less chance of viewing pornography. So, if a Christian reads the Bible once a week, like you bring it along to church with you and you dig it out and dust it off and open it when you know, a pastor tells you to, it made literally no difference in their life. If a Christian reads the Bible Twice a week, there was negligible difference. Three times a week, a little difference. But when a Christian read the Bible four or more times, the exponential jump in transformation was huge. Watch this. Loneliness dropped by 30%. Anger dropped by 32%. Bitterness in relationships dropped by 40% from people who read the Bible four or more times a week. Feeling spiritual stagnant dropped by 50%. Getting drunk dropped by 57%. Sharing faith with others increased by 228%. Discipling others increased by 231%. This one's kind of interesting. Memorizing scripture increased by 407%. If we're going to be the salt of the earth, we're going to be who God has called us to be, who's complimented us to be, we're going to have to be a refined community. When's the last time you read the Bible? How often are you reading the Bible? How are you allowing God's word to refine you? Salt also creates a thirst. You know, there's, a, there's a thirsting after righteousness. So that's the first thing. If we're going to be salt to the earth, here's something else. You don't treat sin casually. If our world is decaying, 
our world is rotting, then it's your job to be salt to the earth. We also are there to preserve the holiness of God, the goodness of Jesus as much as we can. As bad as things are, can you imagine how bad things would be if there were no churches? How bad it would be if there were no Christians? Now, the Bible talks about the end of time. In fact, this last week I was having a conversation with some pastors about the tribulation. So are you pre-trib, that, that the church will be raptured before the tribulation, you know, that seven years of tribulation, in the middle of the tribulation, three and a half years, or at the end? I'll tell you, I'm praying for pre, I'm preparing for post, right? When is God going to rapture the church? I'm telling you, though, if at the rapture of the church, when the church is no longer here, there's no other Christians, this world is not going to be a good place to live. When you take back the restraining arm of Christian witness, of churches, of, of organizations, people that are, are naming the name of Christ, when that's gone, it will be as Scripture described, people will be begging mountains to fall on them. It will be anarchy like you've never seen. I hope you never see. So, the impact of a Christian's life. But what is happening so many times is the world is trying to act like, the church is trying to act like the world. We're taking on aspects of the world and worldliness as opposed to being salt to the world. What happens when the salt loses its flavor? In that passage in Matthew, um, he simply says it's, it's not worth anything. Any, any chemistry teacher will tell you this. Um, salt is a... And, um, sodium chloride is a stable, very stable compound. It's one of the most stable in all the universe. And it, it doesn't change, it doesn't lose its character. But Jesus is saying salt can lose its saltiness. Now, here's what that looked like. <clears throat> and excuse me, I'm struggling with... Um, at the end of all the hip stuff, I picked up a common cold. So... Uh, bear with me. What would happen is, you know, Dead Sea salt, salt from the Dead Sea. <clears throat> but because of how it all trickled down and stayed there and through the, the Red Sea, Jordan River, down to the, fo focused down in there, if it would, it had no place to go and it was mixed with minerals. And when it was mixed with minerals, with heat, it would dry out, and with then some moisture it, mixed with minerals, it would lose its, its saltiness. In fact, everyone's sitting there listening to Jesus go, yep, yep, yeah, I know what that's about. And in fact, this salt, what's it good for? Nothing. You can't put it on your garden. It'll ruin what you put in your garden. It literally was cast on the street. People walked on it. It was worthless for, for any, any good thing. So, you said, well, Think with me for a minute. What could happen in a Christian's life and they lose their saltiness? It would, be, it would be terrible for a Christian to lose their wealth or their job or their health or their family 
or even a life. But I think Jesus is, is looking at this saying, listen, you are the salt of the earth, but if you've lost your saltiness, what is it good for? One of the worst things that a Christian can lose is their testimony. Because when you lose your testimony, your salt loses its seasoning. I'm reminded of a little boy who came into his house one day and he said, Mother, if you give me $5, I'll be good all day. $5, I'll be good all day. She looked at him and said, Why can't you be good for nothing like your daddy? I had to wake some of you up. <clears throat> One of the things that contaminates our salt is the dirt of worldliness. Someone once said this, I looked for the church and found it in the world. And then I looked for the world and I found it in the church. Don't treat sin casually. Um, the world doesn't, there are things that the world says are okay where God's word says, it's not okay, it's sin. What's interesting is, as, as of 2021, 63% of Americans identify as Christian. And yet we're dominated today not by the values of Christianity, but by the values of humanism and secularism. Here's the third thing. If we're going to be salt, we have to make an impact socially. At some point, it's, you've got to leave the, the safety of the huddle. You've got to go out in the world and become the church in the world. Jesus says you're the salt of the earth. Salt is worthless if it never comes in contact with food or whatever it's, it needs to preserve or, or, or to protect or change. It, it may look nice in a shaker, but if it stays in the shaker, it's worthless. You see, the church is, is, is the salt shaker. We need to get out of the salt shaker and, and get to doing some good. We go out and become the church in the world. You're the salt of the earth. Begin to think about some reasons why people don't impact society. Here's some of those reasons. Some of the reasons Christians don't impact society is because they're afraid. What are people going to think of me? I'm, I'm swimming upstream. Um, what I'm, what I'm saying, who I am, what I stand for, what I believe in. Do I even, I'm afraid to even um, express my belief. It's just easier to be quiet. I, you know, I get into less trouble. I, I'm afraid because you know, if I take a stand, the, the popularity of opinion is going to be against me. One of the reasons Christians don't impact sight, one of the reasons they're not salt in the earth is because they're afraid. Here's another one. It's simply because they are alone. <laughs> they say, listen, I'm barely hanging on myself, and so I'm just going to keep my little circle of friends. I'm, I'm in this little cocoon, and I'm just going to stay alone. I'm not going to, um, I, man, thank goodness I'm not like them. Or, thank goodness, you know, I, I don't want I, I to see or associate with them. I'm, I'm just going to stay alone. Uh, we have to go out and become salt. He said, you're the salt of the earth. Get out there. Let your life and your witness and who you are impact the world. Don't, don't just be alone and try to cocoon in. Here's something else. Um, some people are just aloof. 
Again, this is more that idea of, look at those sinners over there. Don't want to associate with them. Thank God you didn't make me like them, God. Thank goodness I don't have that problem. They're just aloof from people. So they, they, they're unwilling to, to engage. They don't realize this is, I mean, Jesus has cleaned me up. I don't want to get that mess anymore. I mean, I, afraid, alone, aloof. Reasons that some Christians don't make an impact on society. They're, they're afraid. They, they want to stay alone or they're aloof. Here's another one. Some, some people are just a jerk. I told Pastor Caleb, no, don't change what I put on there. That's a word, a jerk. Afraid, alone, aloof, a jerk. Why in all the world would someone want what you've got if if you drive the way you drive? You push someone out of the way so that you can get first in line. You know there's something that is hurting someone, but you just go ahead and keep on letting that happen. You don't do something that you know would bring joy and peace to someone. There's some, some Christians, they're not salt in the world because they're just a jerk. They're mean-spirited. They, they don't care about others. They're selfish. Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. Here's the last thing. Now, you see that? Everyone would be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? There's that whole idea of you, you can't ignore sin. You can't go weak on sin. Then he says... Have salt among yourselves. You have to impact socially. Watch this. And be at peace with others. And from that we get this whole idea of living in unity. Salted with fire. Be refined continually. Don't treat sin casually. Make an impact socially. And live in unity. So... I'm going to invite the team to come and they're going to lead us in our closing song. Let me just share this with you. Now we're back to, again, the work of God's Holy Spirit. You say, okay, I thought that was Grow 23. I told you, that's not the end. That was the next step. How do, how do we tie this in with the Holy Spirit? You see, the Holy Spirit, it's the idea of unity. The Holy Spirit in me should not be at odds with the Holy Spirit in you. The Holy Spirit lives within us. He lives in the palace of our lives. We create a place for Him to reside and to preside. In fact, Jesus said, you want to be a witness. You want to be salt in the world. Live in unity with other people. Now, Unity doesn't mean, don't misunderstand me, it doesn't mean passive endorsement of things that are wrong. You have a mind that thinks and you can discern and 
That's some of the spiritual gift that we need a lot of too, discernment. So you can discern what is right and wrong, but you can live in unity. And so you can, you can live in unity. Um, you, you, can, you can agree to disagree in an agreeable way. But what he's really talking about, this whole idea of unity, is among believers. That the world will see how they relate and they'll say, we want to be a part of that. And you know the thing that I found, why Christians, or when Christians are arguing and fighting among each other, you know what has happened? They have lost focus of the gospel. When people are focused on, on who God is and what he's come to do and to be a part of that, when the, when the focus is on the gospel of who Jesus Christ is, and that's what your attention is, when, there's different ways to accomplish all that, but there's a unity that happens. And he said, I want you to live in unity. Live in unity. And the Holy Spirit is the one who brings us together. The fruit of the Spirit, you know what it is. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are things that contribute to unity. It's the Spirit of God living within you and living out through you. When people see your life under the control of God's Holy Spirit, led by His Word, directed by His Spirit, you're being salt to the earth. You're being light to the world. I don't know, maybe you have watched with some amazement in these days of the transition of the monarchy in England. I talked to someone from England last night and we talked about all the pomp and circumstance of that event and Her Majesty for all those years uh, served her country. Um, an astounding woman, a public servant, and now of course, King Charles is the, pre the, the, the king, crowned king. I think the Brits are also excited about pr Prince William. Someday, heir to the throne will be King William. The Lord tarries. All things continue as they are. <clears throat> One of the things you think about that, you realize, you say, how, how do you know when her Majesty is in Buckingham Palace. How do you know when she's there? How do you know when King Charles is in the residence? Do you know? How do you know? Everyone knows from England that if the flag is flying, Her Majesty, the Queen, or now the King, is in residence there. That's how you know. The flag's flying. There's an old song we used to sing. It went like this. Joy is the flag flown high over the castle of my heart because the king is in residence there. When I think of that, I think about joy. 
Well, love, the, the love of God in your heart, when that's flown high, when that's the witness of your life, there's a person who loves. And that's flying, you're being salt. When there's joy, joy unspeakable and, and full of glory, not dependent on, on circumstances and situations, but joy, and that's flown fly over the, high over the castle of your heart, your salt. Peace. Do you know how many people do not have peace in this world? They don't have a piece of peace. And all of a sudden, all this stuff is going on. Things are changing. Things are turning. This is happening. That's going on. You say, listen, God's got it. I'm not sitting around idly by, watching everything going on, drain. I'm working, I'm serving. I'm going to church, I'm reading my Bible, I'm changing everything I can do, shining my flashlight every I can, sprinkling salt every I can. I got peace. You have peace in your heart, and that's flown high over the castle of your heart because the king is in residence there. Guess what? Your salt. Same thing with gentleness, all the other fruits of the Spirit. My prayer is that Christ would be magnified in us. That we would fulfill and step up to the calling and the compliment that he's given to each one of you. That you are light and that you are salt. So Lord, help us. Thank you for believing in us. Thank you, God, you knew we could do it. Not on our own. But you gave us the Holy Spirit. You gave us your word. It's a light and a lamp, her feet and her path. You gave us the Spirit who will never leave us. Be with us always. So Lord, I, I pray that you'd help us to be the salt of the earth. Thank you for joining us for this message from the Summit Church Podcast. Again, if you have questions, visit us at summitniles.com. Now go and be the church in the world.